Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Good afternoon, Zinger Nation. My name is Logan Ross, and this is Moon or Bust, your home for all things altcoins and DeFi. Uh, live from Benzinga HQ in beautiful Detroit, Michigan. Today, we will be talking about the uh, the crypto markets, giving you an update on, on the altcoins uh, and EIP-1559. Uh, then we'll be talking about the different types of stable coins that we didn't get to on the last show. Uh, and finally, we will be interviewing the team behind the backed DeFi protocol. Uh, so get your popcorn, load up your MetaMask, uh, and smash the like button because it's a go- about to go down on Moon or Bust. I would like to welcome to the stage my two co-hosts, Brian Moore and Ryan McNamara. How are you guys doing today? Good. Doing well, as always, when Bitcoin's above the bull market support band. Shoo! Well, that is the perfect uh, segue yeah. to our first segment where we'll be doing a market update. So let me pull up Trading View here for y'all. Uh, so... At the time of recording, we have Bitcoin at $46,398, which is well above the bull market support band. So you can see uh, these indicators here. This red line uh, is the 20-week SMA, and this green line is the 21-week EMA, uh, and we are above both of them. Uh, People argue about which one is really the bull market support band, so we just put them both up here for you. Um, and, and as well, as long as we're above both of them, I think we're good to go. So um, we just broke up above it. We've seen this happen before uh, and we've also gotten rejected before. So it's not definitive until we can hold this line. Uh, so so what I'm looking for personally is to come back down, um, hold this like maybe 43 level, 42 level, uh, and, and then we will be cleared for takeoff. Uh, what are you guys looking for, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking for the same thing here. I mean, this might be our first red week in a while. We had, what is that, four or five, four green candles in a row, which is incredibly bullish. We have over a 50% increase in price since the lows. Um, but yeah, I want to see that retest. I want to hold it as support. And then I think we're we're ready to send it off to new all-time highs, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Brian, what do you think? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I agree. I... Uh we might see a little bit of a downturn. You might, we might see 42 or something like that, but I think you're right. I think we're about to turn into some ATH action. I've never seen this uh, indicator either. That's pretty interesting. Was that just saved from trading view? Like someone made it or did one of you guys? No, it's uh, saved on trading view. A lot of people actually use this to define whether we're in a bull market or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and Logan, if you want to go back to some historical prices, we can see where we've tested it before. You can sure. see we were below it in the bear market. We came back above it, uh, retested. And once we were able to hold it, that's when we really shot up basically in January there. Mm-hmm. Yep. We had like three or four weeks testing it as support. We did break under and then we were able to shoot up much, much farther than what we were at. Yep. And then when we held it here... It was good to go. Um, so we'll look for that. We don't want to break back under. If we do, it's fine. Um, but we'll, we'll look to hold it before we are cleared for the rest of the bull market. Um, okay. So should I pull up ETH now? What do you guys want to look at next? Yeah, let's look at ETH. All right. Sounds good. I'm a little bit more bullish on ETH than I am uh, Bitcoin, to be honest. <clears throat> In terms of seeing all, uh, an ATH before we see one. We'll see it on Ethereum before we see it on Bitcoin is what I mean. Which is interesting because usually we see Bitcoin lead the way, but Brian, I think you have a good point. We could see ETH hit a new all-time high before Bitcoin does. 
and solely based on the fundamentals with the NFT craze going on right now and everything mm -hmm. else being built on Ethereum. I mean, I could see that happening as well. Yeah, I think we're seeing that break off point now. Yeah, I mean, we're sure. close to 100% gains from the lows. We, we went down to about mm -hmm. 1,700. We came up to almost 3,400. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I bought two ETH at the uh, all-time low and then bought a bunch of uh, um, NFTs and stuff. I like, went into different ones and then sold them, and I, I should have just held. I would have had a much better return than trying to go uh, off the rails like I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes that's the best strategy. Uh, I want to toss it out to the chat. Let us know what crypto projects you guys are looking at this week. Drop some tickers in the chat, uh, and we'll see if we have time to pull them up at the end. Um, but real quick, before we go away from the market overview, I just want to pull up CoinMarketCap and talk about the alts that are ripping this morning. Uh, so we have, let's see, we have Binance up 5%. Uh, Dogecoin up eight percent, Polkadot up thirteen, Solana is up twenty-seven percent right yeah, now. Earlier this morning, killing it right it was now. Forty percent. Uh, we have SBF Sam, the owner of the CEO of FTX. He has been heavily purchasing uh, FTT and Solana both with his huge war chest. So uh, that's been driving the price up again. And we have an all-time high on Solana this morning. So there's NFT projects that are pushing it. The um, not uh, Ape Yacht Club, but there's another. I think eight focused NFT that has been pushing Solana. Like it, it drived about 12%. I think I saw, I'll try to find um, the name of it, but NFTs are really pushing on Solana. I saw an interesting tweet about that. Actually, it basically said, you know, each smart contract blockchain is going to need its own metaverse with NFTs and everything else. Do you think that that's going to be the case? Or do you think cross chain bridges will make it possible where it's basically all one metaverse with multiple blockchains? I think we'll eventually we'll see that. I think at first we're going to need to each have their like own individual um, kind of solution. And then we will see some, you know, we'll see those cross chain bridges. It just, the, with the cross chain that adds another factor of, uh, of air that can happen. And so I'm pulling up to make it work. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things that can happen there. So having your own tried and true, what you like, what your company built or your project built is much better than trying to build a bridge and use another system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if companies like Solana, blockchains like Solana will have their own NFT marketplaces that really boom like Ethereum's have. Because that will drive a lot of people to Solana to be able to get in on some of those NFTs. Yeah, and it looks like that um, the current price of Solana right now has pushed it into the top 10 uh, market cap which it was not in before. That's pretty neat. For sure. Oh, uh, Degenerate, Degenerate Ape Academy. Hmm. That's the Solana project? Yes. Interesting. And I assume you use Solana to buy them then too. I do not know. I've, I, I just know of the project. I'm now looking it, into it. Um, I think that is true. Well, speaking of smart contract blockchains, I think it's time to talk a little bit more about EIP-1559, you know, go over a little overview. It's been 10 days since the London hard fork came about, uh, and oh. we've burnt a lot of ETH. Burnt a lot of ETH. Let me pull up the bot right here on Twitter uh, that shows each block uh, and, and how much we've burnt. Actually, it, does, it definitely doesn't show each bot or block if this would, last one was from 11 hours ago. Um, 
But here we can see 141 ETH burned in the last hour, 193 ETH burned in the last hour. And what's cool about this account is that it annualizes uh, the, the burn as well. Um, so if this uh, level of burning were to continue for a whole year, this would be the annualized inflation rate. Uh, and during peak hours, some of the busiest hours, um, we see it going down to under 1%. And then sometimes we even have uh, negative uh, annualized uh, deflationary Yield. Yeah, so, I mean, you see that annualized deflationary uh, percent right there of negative 8.66%. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of confirmation bias. You see there's 140 retweets on it, 550 <laughs> likes. So I've seen some of these on Twitter. I don't follow this account. And I thought, you know, oh, it's already deflationary. This is great. But really, it's just a small time frame. And you have to average it out over the entire time EIP 1559 has been out. And the longer it's out, the better estimate we'll get. So, so far, guys, we've burned 52,000 ETH. And we've issued 96,000. So, I mean, this sounds kind of like the ETH happening to me. The inflation rate's gone down about about half of what it was before EIP 1559. Mm -hmm. That being said, I mean, it's still inflationary, but at maybe around 2% now, that's really not bad whatsoever. Yeah. And and in the first half of this year, we saw Uniswap uh, being the major uh, ETH gas, uh, like, the biggest protocol that was burning the most ETH or using the most ETH in transaction fees since there, it wasn't being burned at the time. Uh, but recently we've seen OpenSea, the NFT platform, flip that. Uh, and that's been the number one most used protocol as far as volume goes on ETH lately. Um, another cool thing that I read about today. So if you guys aren't familiar with Glassnode, they do blockchain analytics, on-chain data reporting. Uh, and they have a Glassnode's alert Twitter account um, that just issued an alert this morning that says balance on exchanges uh, for Ethereum has reached a two-year low. Uh, So we haven't seen uh, this low of supply on exchanges for two years. It's very bullish news. Um, It's going to lead to a supply crisis and, you know, maybe a short squeeze, um, get some crazy price action going on. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. all right, that's it for our market and EIP 1559 update. If you enjoy that type of content, let us know by smashing the like button, drop a comment uh, if you want us to do more of it. But now we're going to do a short little educational segment before the interview about the different types of stable coins. Um, Ryan, do you want to get this going for us? Yeah, sure. So I thought we'd focus on Tether, USDC, and DAI, since those are the most commonly used stable coins. If you use Binance, you might use BUSD, uh, which is very similar to USDC. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, I personally prefer to use USDC and DAI. Uh, there's been a lot of FUD around Tether because they do back their stablecoin with some debt, which is some questionable debt. It's not totally backed one-to-one with dollars in reserves. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that used to be the case, or at least they used to say that was the case, but since then they've printed billions and billions more of USD, USDT. Uh, so I don't use them personally. USDC, in my opinion, is really good because Circle owns them. Coinbase works with them. They're about to be a public company via SPAC, so they're going to be audited. They're already audited, but they're going to be even more transparent once they're public. Um, and same with DAI. It's open source code. It's made by MakerDAO. So I like them too. Uh, what do you guys think? I personally use USDT because I mainly, uh, <clears throat> if I'm doing day trading crypto, I mainly use uh, KuCoin. And USDT is the one that um, has all the token pairs. And it's pretty widely used. Um, but I do like USDC if I'm doing Coinbase Pro or something like that. That that's just my opinion on which one personally I like. Um, but I, I think it is pretty interesting 
what you said about USDC, because I think it's going to surpass USDT and there's so much drama happening with USDT like throughout the years. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I personally am on the same page as Ryan. I use USDC uh, and DAI mostly. Um, let's talk about DAI for a second. This is an open source project, as Ryan mentioned. It's created by MakerDAO, which is one of the first DeFi projects uh, back in like 2015, 2016. Um, and, and this is not a one-to-one -one peg. It's actually backed um, by like a smart basket of different assets uh, that, that roughly equivalent to... Uh, or equal one dollar um so it will be more or less stable it's actually pretty pretty darn stable um and then you don't have to trust any centralized company to get that dollar peg um yeah so that that makes it a favorite of the DeFi ecosystem uh you know to try to get rid of any centralization at, at any point is like a, a choke point of vulnerability uh so that's why a lot of people choose to use die and that's why maker dow's token mkr uh, mm -hmm. has so much value All right. Do we miss anything? I don't think so. To be frank, though, if Tether does end up crashing, I think a lot of the DeFi ecosystem is going to get really badly hurt. And I mean, a lot of other stable coins could potentially lose their peg if that ever happens. Yeah, but there are a lot of stuff that are coming out um, to prevent something like that happening, like uh, Paxio Standard. They have a they also have a stable coin and they use their own blockchain that has, you know, a different basket of assets. I think you're right though. I think if USDT does fail, I think we'll see some big hurt around the crypto community. Hopefully we can, um, there could be resolution to this. There could be uh, solutions that maybe we aren't seeing now, or maybe they're in the works that will kind of come out soon. Hopefully. Yeah, it's kind of scary to have this lingering. Um, but Coupon Boy wants to know in the chat, do you think that USDT will be supported by Coinbase again? Uh, so on the yeah. one hand, there's there's so much volume and so many trading pairs uh, on, on other exchanges with USDT. But then again, there's USDC, which is created in partnership with Coinbase. Uh, so they might be cannibalizing some of their own revenue by including USDT. Also, it's sus. Um, so, so without <laughs> some really definitive... Uh, hardcore proof and, and like a full audit, full background. I don't see it happening. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think? No, because what you just said, Coinbase uh, pretty yeah. much helped build USDC. So they're not going to use another company's uh, stable coin because they have their own. There's no point. Mm -hmm. It's like, do you think Binance will, does Binance have USDC? I don't even know. They have BUSD. I'm yeah, not they sure they right have stable coins. Well, they do have a BEP 20 of USDT though, but that's just oh. made because it was made. They use right. mainly use BSUD. B U yeah. BSUD. Yes. Gotcha. Alrighty. Uh okay. So let's get on with it. Today we have the backed protocol uh on with us today. We're gonna be talking about what the protocol is. Uh, and how you might want to use it when you're taking out loans on Aave or other DeFi platforms. Uh, so I would like to bring onto stream Max, Daniel, and Sam. How are you all doing today? Doing well. Thanks. Right. Thanks for having us. Doing good. Hey, well, yeah, we're thanks for coming to, on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We're excited to have you. Uh, so maybe one by one, could you each tell us a little bit about yourselves uh, and your background in cryptocurrency? Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm Sam. I um, I I started 
I go, I guess I first got into crypto, I think it was 2017. Um, as part of my master thesis uh, in computer science, um, my supervisor was quite into crypto and um, he asked me to look into uh, Ethereum mining pools, which back then I had no idea what they were really. And um, so that really got me first exposed to Ethereum, like looking at mining pools and mining pool reward schemes and and then I sort of stayed, uh, I guess, at uni afterwards doing a PhD, um, which I'm currently finishing up. Um, yeah, looking at various other bits, I think, throughout my PhD, I sort of progressed from looking at, in the beginning, like really stuff on the mining side and then gradually migrating over into more and more the protocol side of things and ended up in DeFi and um yeah, I did some did some work on liquidations a while ago with Daniel and uh and then um yeah last year started started working on Bact. Very cool. Um I can go next. Uh so yeah, hi I'm Daniel. Uh so yeah I've been in the space for let's say I've been quite uh, more involved in the space for the past three, four years or so. Um I'm also so I'm also uh, finishing up my PhD uh with Santa's where uh we met. And I have been uh, mostly working on a bit more low-level things like uh, the smart contract analysis and looking more at like the Ethereum virtual machine, how to exploit it, how we can kind of improve it, these sort of things. And um, yeah, and sometime around, I'd say maybe last year, January, something along these lines with Sam, we decided to look a bit more into DeFi to do try a bit of research in this space. Um, and uh, yeah, that's more or less uh, how, how we kind of uh, started this whole project, and uh, and we got to yeah work together on this. Cool. And Max. Hey guys, my name is Max. So, just like a lot of people, I got into crypto in 2017. Really had no idea what I was doing, but I saw that there was these assets that are moving up a lot in price, so I got interested. Um, you know, made a few lucky trades just based off luck. I kind of took a break during the bear market in like 2018. And then DeFi came and I found things like Aave and Compound with you know permissionless borrowing. And then from my own research, I found Bact and I was like, hey, I've totally used this tool myself. And then from there, I just reached out to Sam and Daniel and been working with them since about uh, March of this year. Very cool. Uh, so from a high level, in case there's anyone out there who doesn't know about Bact, uh, could one of you tell us what the, what the protocol is all about? Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> I can take this one on Daniel. If I miss anything, feel free to jump in. But um, so Bact is basically solving a a problem that many borrowers in DeFi have. Because in, B in DeFi, when you borrow crypto, you have to over collateralize your loan, right? Mm -hmm. And um, in a way, that's great because over collateralization helps you know lending protocols um, to protect themselves against the case that loans aren't being repaid, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and you have this great liquidation mechanism. But at the same time, if you over collateralize your loan, you know, there's a lot of collateral just sitting there and you can't do anything with it. And, um, and in DeFi, there are a lot of opportunities where you can put that, you know, that capital to work. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, if you if you, you know, reduce your collateral, then you have a higher risk of potentially getting liquidated, especially if markets are volatile. And so what we wanted to do with BACT, what BACT essentially does is it allows you to reduce your collateral on, for instance, your yeah, lending protocols like Compound or Aave and deposit those funds into BACT, then register your position on Compound or Aave and you can essentially use your, you can use your BACT deposits as backup collateral. So 
Bact will put you that will put these funds to work on similar to traditional yield farms. But the difference being that as soon as your funds are actually needed to protect you from getting liquidated, it'll be automatically shifted over to the protocol where they're needed. So it's this. So I guess in a sentence to describe back would be um, a, a traditional yield farming protocol with a utility layer over it that actually allows you to, to use your backed LP tokens to do more things like collateral, um, collateral uh, um, shifts and... Uh, very cool. Uh, so you're working with Ave and Compound right now. Uh, do you have any plans to to add any different protocols, or are these the two big ones that you you're, you're good with for a while? So since you just mentioned it, that's uh, probably a good timing. But uh, so MakerDAO and Dai also uses uh, overcollateralization uh, to secure their protocol and make sure that. Um, the protocol uh, will not uh, default. So this is the next uh, protocol we do have in mind uh, to integrate. So to be able to also uh, cover this um, collateral uh, position on uh, MakerDAO. And we're also talking to a few others pro other protocols and we will see basically what we uh, decide to integrate. But the next step is definitely uh, MakerDAO and DAI. Very cool. So to move these funds around, and I know you guys are starting with ETH and DAI, and I think maybe is it one other stable coin? Is it USDC? Yeah, you, yes. Okay. So, so what you do is you put it into a liquidity pool. You're staking it essentially in the liquidity pool. And unlike a DEX where you have two assets, it's only a single asset liquidity pool. Um, so say I, I put some ETH in the liquidity pool. What happens next with that? Like what parameters do I set and how does it actually work once my funds are in the liquidity pool? So uh, I can take this one. Um, so basically the user will register a position. Uh, which says that, for example, I want to uh, protect this uh, position on, say, Ave, for the sake of example. Um, and I want that if ever uh, my position has um, health factor, so basically the collateral to uh, debt ratio goes under uh, some value. So let's say one being the exact point where I, uh, one would get liquidated. Let's say if it gets under 1.2, I want to top up, uh, say, 10,000 die. Um, and I can do this, let's say, up to consuming my budget of 50,000. So it can happen uh, multiple times with a single position too. And then we have, so this keeper, so this off-chain uh, off bots uh, that will be open source. So we'll provide a first like uh, open source implementation and run our own uh, keeper, but anybody can will be able to run this and also to implement their own if they want to improve on that. And so these keepers will uh, listen for this. And as soon as one of these positions uh, will fall under this threshold. It will uh, execute the action, and the position, the funds will be um, shifted from backed to uh, actually top up the position on, for this example, Ave, for example. Got it. So, if your funds aren't being used to top up to add some collateral to these loans, then you can actually use them to yield farm and earn interest on your cryptocurrency. So what what products are you working with? How are you actually earning this yield when you're not using your funds to top up your loan? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. So um, it's it's um, the, so when you deposit, right, you um, you get back LP tokens and you, you don't have to be, first of all, a borrower to, to use back, right? You can also just use it to, to yield farm because then you will essentially get, you know, profits from yield farming strategies, back rewards, and the fees that people pay um, for the liquidity to be shifted 
to their protocol. And the strategies, so these strategies can, of course, change over time. Currently, I mean, when we launch, there will be, it'll be one strategy per pool. So the flow is really, you know, you deposit, your funds will get deposited, and then they'll get allocated by the pool to the, to the, um, to the strategy that will, you know, do whatever, how it has been designed. And um, we've, we've decided to, to start out with strategies solely using convex and curve. So, I mean, I'm not sure if in case people don't, watching this and are not familiar with convex, for instance, I mean, convex is really uh, helping people to achieve like their mass maximum boost on by using curve and not having to lock, uh, lock curve tokens directly. Um, so we're essentially channeling liquidity into convex and convex then channels it into curve. Um, and um, that's what the initial strategies are, are based on. Okay, so each liquidity pool will have its own yield farming strategy. How many different uh, liquidity pools do you guys plan on having at launch? So at launch, there will be three three pools. The The plan is to to launch with a pool for, for DAI, for USDC, and ETH. Um, and then it's really, it's of course, extremely easy to add, you know, pools for more assets. And um, I think that's, it's really just for us at this point, um, the, I guess, important to focus on what we think is, is a good set of pools at launch time. Um, and then the community should decide, you know, what what they think is actually what, what's needed, and, uh, and we can vote on on having or adding new assets, new pools. Um, potentially, can extend this in future versions, having pools with multiple assets. I mean, there's quite a quite a lot of room here uh, for where this can be taken. And that's actually that's a really good segue into my next question about the backed token itself. So you guys mentioned that that's going to be used for protocol governance, uh, which is pretty similar to Uniswap's Uni token. Uh, will it have any other use cases? Um, yes. So um, it's it's uh, I mean governance is of course the main main intention, right? I mean having this having this token um, to to give back the the control over the protocol or give the control of, of the protocol uh, to the to the users. And um, the main, I guess, well, use case. I mean, it will it will entitle token holders to direct cash flows or earnings that the protocol generates, right? So there are quite a few places where backed generates fees, um, whether it's uh, sort of the, the fees that are charged on the strategy profits, the small fees, or the fees that are charged on uh, collateral top ups. Um, there's always a small fee that goes to the backed token holders. So is the back token, will that be launching at the exact same time as the protocol? Um, <clears throat> if anyone else wants to jump in at one point, I feel like I'm so I can yeah, answer no, no problem. Yeah, uh, but uh, it will be a bit after the main launch. So we're gonna so the plan for now is to uh, do a first uh, mainnet launch with a cap on uh, the liquidity in the protocol. Um, so some sort of like public beta versions that we are planning uh, to launch earlier uh, early next month. And during this time, because we'll have also some uh, liquidity mining at the beginning, uh, we will not have uh, we will not launch the back token yet. And as soon as the protocol goes uh, fully live, which should be uh, sometime early between early and mid October, uh, we will um, also launch the back token. Okay, I got it. So, have you guys sold any tokens yet in presale rounds, seed rounds, anything like that, or will these tokens just be coming out as basically as like a liquidity incentive for users? 
So we did raise a fairly small uh, pre-seed round uh, to get uh, the project going. And this is at this point uh, pretty much all um, that uh, is yeah, that we sold. And all this plus the tokens that will be allocated to the team and so on uh, are vested and will start to invest when we actually uh, launch the protocol. OK, cool. Yes. Yeah. So, I guess jumping in on that, it's probably worth mentioning yeah, that the majority of yeah. the tokens will be will be uh, distributed through like liquidity mining schemes to the users, and this is both liquidity providers as well as keepers. Um, so, the, the, yeah, the bots. That Got it. So, is is there a set like incentive schedule yet? Because I know a lot of these protocols to incentivize users to hop on right away. Maybe they'll do like the first six months is a certain amount, and then the next year or two is is a smaller amount. Yeah, so we do have a yeah, we do have an information okay, schedule that essentially um, sort of tampers off over time. Um, so in the beginning, the first year will be, I should say, probably a bit more of an aggressive uh, token release schedule, um, and specifically the 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 really early period of the protocol. Um, that's where we're hoping to to attract um, quite a lot of liquidity. I think I just pulled it up right here, Ryan, so you can see. Yeah, uh, here's the inflation schedule right there. Exactly, yeah. Well, you guys uh, just mentioned the keepers, so it'd be cool to kind of go into that. <clears throat> since it's pretty unfeasible, since it's not really feasible to um, watch and monitor your data on chain, um, you guys have to use those. Can you like go into more detail about what a keeper is and what it does or how it works? Of course, yeah. Um, so basically, a keeper, uh, it will be a small off-chain program. Right now, we're implementing this in Go. Uh, it monitors basically all the events emitted uh, by BACT to register first, regi keep track of all the positions that are registered in there. And uh, it also, so it's connected directly to an Ethereum node to do this. And then it will uh, query the health factor of all the positions uh, that it's keeping track of. And this will be done every time a new block is emitted. And uh, it will also check all this, um, all these health factors with whatever position has been registered. And if it finds out that one of the positions uh, has gone below its target health factors, then it will execute the top up by setting a transaction. And so this can be done by basically anyone. The only um, assumption, I mean, the only thing that needs to happen is that the, the threshold is actually reached because that's what that will be ch uh, checking the contract on chain. And um, so we're also planning so to reimburse fees, uh, so the gas fees for the keepers. So when the keeper will uh, try to top up a position, uh, the gas fees will be reimbursed to the keeper um, when, exe when executing the top up. So that basically for a keeper, it's almost risk free to run, and um, it will yeah it, he will get the, uh, some small fee from uh, whatever amount he uh, did top up through this operation. So that yeah. gas fee reimbursement does that just come from some of the fees in the pool? Uh, it comes, yes, from uh, funds, not from the pool directly, from the funds that the user has locked to be able to top up his position. Okay. So it will be basically deducted from this amount. All right. So the user pays the gas fee to top up his position. That makes sense. Yes, indeed. Um, well, on the top ups, do they work both ways? <clears throat> if uh, my loan on Ave becomes over collateralized, over collateralized, will I um, be able to get like more so I can do more yield farming or how, how would that work? So, uh, so yeah, that's a very good question. And so for now, it will only be one way, but that does, uh, this is definitely something we are planning to support. And um, 
it is basically uh, one of the things a bit longer term that we want to achieve is to open a bit more use cases and just collateral top up or moving collateral around. So basically the kind of, let's say longer term goal is to have this sort of reactive liquidity pool where like funds can come in and out of the pool um, to do not only collateral top ups, like uh, this will be the case for the very, our very first release, but also be able to do all sorts of things with these funds that are currently used to um, earn yield. For example, like a simple um, use case could be uh, to place limit orders on some other protocol, for example. So that's something that we, we have in mind uh, for both. So this um, kind of moving back collateral to the liquidity pool, but also to open uh, some use cases to, to, to much more diverse, uh, diverse users. Gotcha. And that, that makes sense. And the more, you know, data you guys have to see like which way to go with it, the better you can, you know, implement, you know, for everyone's options or choice or whatever they want to do. I like that um, plan. Do you guys uh, plan to launch a DAO uh, this year? And it, uh, I think you guys are planning to launch a DAO this year. What exactly would the DAO be doing? What do you guys have plans for it? Yeah, so yeah, the plan is definitely to to launch a DAO. Um, we haven't committed on exact time timescales yet. Um, I mean, this year there's of course a lot launching I mean, the protocol and uh, the tokenomics side, of course, as well. And, and then the next thing will be the governance. Um, but of course, in terms of what the DAO would be doing, I mean, there's there's quite a lot in terms of parameterization. Uh, first of all, um, in in the protocol that the DAO should decide on, um, whether it's fees, whether it's required reserve ratios because there are situations where you know you may want you know depending on how complex the yield farming strategy gets um, it might not be that easy to free all the funds um, when you need them so you might want to have required reserves to be actually able to top up all the positions that are um, when they when the, when they when yeah when the time to top up comes um, so these are just parameters that we'll set of course in the beginning and we'll we'll we'll, we'll We'll set um, uh, once yeah once we launch keep updated but that's that's for instance a uh, one responsibility the DAO should should uh, should take and also the whole I mean just steering the protocol in the long run right as Daniel mentioned there are we have really a lot of plans with with the future of backed I mean in the beginning it sounds like there's this focus on collateral top ups which is yeah. true <clears throat> but it's really more this longer vision of you know creating a super powerful yield yield farming protocol with various other like this utility layer where you can use your funds for various other actions like you know collateral top-ups earning yield while your limit order is not executed um potentially using it on on, on curve pools and protect yourself against imbalance imbalances you know they're like there are various applications you can apply this to or use cases and um and this is where the DAO you know would come in and and they would have to also decide on on, on which direction we're really pursuing Gotcha. So you guys are kind of wanting to do like a mix of the best of all these worlds and just kind of make it um, into one uh, house, which yeah. that, that is awesome. I, I like the how you laid out the grand scheme because it is a lot more than what you guys just said. It's pretty much make, taking all the best pieces from all these great um, aggregators and, you know, protocols and putting it all into back. That's awesome. 
Yeah, it's really uh, it's 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 really the plan. Um, I think I know the the term sort of capital efficiency is used quite inflationary in DeFi, um, but I think that's really something we're we're after, right? I mean, whether it's collateral efficiency or even if you look at limit orders, right? If you place a limit order and it's just and your funds are just sitting there, um, you know, you could you could earn you know interest on your funds while your limit order is not not filled, um, and I think this is where we really want to try to to get in. And um, and just tackle all these use cases where where you know you can you earn really until your action needs to be executed, whether it's collateral top ups or limit order execution, whatever. Yeah. So have you given thought to how one can go about joining the DAO? Because I for one would be interested. Will you need yeah. DAX tokens or or how do you actually become part of the DAO once that launches? Yeah, we'll scoop some up right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we'll uh, we'll have a liquidity mining scheme, right? People who will use the protocol, whether it's LPs or keepers, will get back tokens, and uh, and they can be used to to then participate in uh, in 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 the, in the DAO. We're we're sort of finalizing internally the design exactly of how that will look. So I can't just uh, disclose Got too much it. yet. Um, Understandable, but it's it's yeah. I think I mean it should be. I mean it's very straightforward to participate, and it'll. Anyone can participate, really. Any backed token holder can participate, and we're hoping many will. I mean, please do. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Brian, you got one more question? Oh, sorry. <clears throat> um, my fault. What, uh, what upgrades uh, will back V2 have once it's launched? Uh, so upgrade-wise, I think the, the main thing is that we will move from really this uh, collateral top-up only to adding uh, way more functionalities in terms of how uh, the um, liquidity can move around. That's, that's really the main thing we want to focus on for the next uh, next iteration. Uh, so that, that will be yeah, already quite, quite a bit uh, of work. We are not sure entirely yet which uh, different actions we will uh, include because we want to first like talk to our potential users, see what people actually need and uh, would be able to use. But um, we will basically shortlist a few of these different uh, use cases and uh, include them uh, in, in the in the next uh, in our next release. Gotcha. Very awesome. cool. So let's talk about competition for a second. Uh, who else is innovating in this space? Um, what would stop Ave from just implementing this themselves? Do you guys see yourself in a race? Uh, and I know you have a partnership with Ave, so maybe there's some sort of agreement that they won't compete. Uh, could you talk to us about that? Of course. Uh, so there are a few different, uh, let's say, uh, points where we need to look at like this competition. So first, for if it's only really the collateral top-up part, uh, one thing that has been very slowly happening, it's still uh, only with a few protocols, is that um, the collateral uh, so basically, the collateral tokens, for example, for Compound C tokens or for Aves A tokens, can be used in some other protocols to 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 do some sort of actions, um, and vice versa. Also, some uh, yield farming uh, LP tokens can be used as collateral. I think I think Cream Finance had something with Yearn, if I remember, to do to do so. So that solves at least like this like collateral over collateralization problem. But it is still really at this point uh, only implemented for a few pools, for a few um, tokens, very ad hoc. And um, I don't see this really like becoming uh, usable in every single protocol. So I, I think it's probably not really general enough yet to, to kind of uh, be, be a real, a real uh, 
threat, at least for backtesting, there's like still more than enough uh, collaterals and more than enough markets that uh, can need to be covered and uh, that back will help to do so. Mm. And then there are a few other protocols. Uh, I forgot if, if it was Keeper DAO or Keeper. Um, I mean, these sort of Keeper networks, I forgot the exact name, but where people can like uh, get this sort of off-chain Keepers. And if someone just wanted to like uh, top up his, his collateral using this, he could register, I think, something on this Keeper uh, network and do so. But I don't think that these implement uh, any sort of like uh, yield uh, farming um, part. So this is also kind of missing a piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And finally, there are also like a few others like DeFi Saver, I think also does this sort of a bit collateral uh, management, but again, I, I don't think they really have. It's more like just so moving things around without having this core like liquidity pool with like different strategies and so on to to farm. So at least like there are many protocols that have some pieces of what we're trying to achieve, but I don't really think, as far as I know, uh, that there is anything around that really like kind of integrates all this in a, in a simple to use uh, protocol. Uh, where people can, can just really get get uh, get the job done and also earn, earn um, yield on their on their liquidity. Very cool. Yeah, just to add on to that real quick, there are other protocols like DeFi Saver, um, one called Kono, that do like debt rebalancing. But from our perspective, what we're doing that's different is tying in the yield farming um, to that debt rebalancing or collateral top up aspect. So, um, yeah, you can use those other protocols, but if you want to put your idle assets to work like back is doing from our perspective. This is the only option we've seen in the market. Awesome. Uh, okay. So do you guys have plans to implement on a side chains or layer twos? Um, well, so we do have this like on the longer term, let's say, and I think there's quite a lot of interesting uh, things that can be, uh, does there, but it is at least this will be after uh, our uh, second release. So first, we wanted to, to uh, finish this mainnet launch with this um, top up as the main kind of uh, use case, and we want to a bit uh, broader scope. And after we are done with this, and this is working well on mainnet, then we are planning to start looking a bit more and see at that point what is kind of the uh most promising uh, avenue for uh, for this expansion but this will be a bit in the longer term once we expand also the team a bit because it will be quite a bit of work to get there awesome uh so stepping back from backed um let's talk about ethereum versus the ethereum competitors why'd you guys go for ethereum uh versus versus one of the others and what do you think long term uh we'll see as the dominant blockchain well, at least for the reason of choosing Ethereum, that's very simple. So we, uh, when we started this, we had like mainly this liquidation protection uh, use case in mind, and it's after that we kind of tried to broaden the scope. But um, so we did a uh, we wrote a paper last year about uh, this liquidation with Sam, and uh, we analyzed like all the liquidations that were happening and uh, a, a bit like how all this ecosystems were working and clearly like in terms of volume of liquidations and so on is uh, Ethereum is far ahead of the competition uh, and, and so it made it just made more sense to do so uh, for the future well it's always a, a bit yeah hard to predict hard to say I mean I don't see uh, Ethereum going anywhere anytime soon so I'm quite confident um, this will stay very uh, useful for for a long period um, but then I, I really, I mean, I'm pretty sure that the Ethereum compatible uh, chains will probably also see a lot of traction that we've seen like recently with the BSC 
um, and so on. So if, if that is the case and we see that there there's a lot of potential, we, we might try to add support at some point, but for now it is really, we don't have any concrete plans to do so. Very cool. Sam, you have any uh, thoughts on that? You want to add anything? Yeah, no, I, uh, I mean, I think I definitely agree with what Daniel said. I also think, I mean, the liquidation element is one, one, one reason, of course, why we definitely want to stick with Ethereum for now. But also, if you just look at sort of over the past year, how DeFi has grown on Ethereum and all the expert, like all the applications that have evolved or the protocols that have been built, right? I mean, Curve, you know, being a year old, I mean, um, that's, it's really, it's, it's crazy. And so I think that just sort of validates also our, our, um, uh, yeah, our, our, our plans of, of, of being able to support more use cases beyond collateral top-ups, right? Because there's so much more you can do. And as these protocols become more complex that evolve, it's great for us because we can we can really plug in and make sure that funds are used as efficiently uh, as they can be across various various protocols. So really this element or this notion of reactive liquidity that we're trying to to implement in the ecosystem, um, I think it's just it's just gonna work better and better as the as the whole application space um, develops further. It's kind of like the idea of DeFi Legos, right? I love how everything's so like collaborative in the space and everything builds off of each other. I think it's super cool. And I think that that's just going to drive innovation even farther. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Appreciate the insights. Uh, well, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it, it was really a pleasure having you guys today. If there's any uh, shout outs you want to give uh, or, or places that people can go to find out more and stay up to date with the project, uh, the floor is yours. Sure, yeah. Thanks, guys. We are at Backed Fund, B-A-C-K-D-F-U-N-D on Twitter, and our website is just backed.fund. So feel free to check that out. We're on Discord as well. And yeah, community's growing, so it'd be awesome to have you guys join in. Yeah, and of course, um, as Max said, the community is growing. We're super open to community input, right? So whether it's on Telegram or on Discord, um, you know, reach out to us. There's so much to do. Um, whether it's on the strategy side, whether it's, you know, on, on um, translating websites. I mean, there's really a lot and uh, we're really going to release a lot of cool tech and some sweet products over the coming months. So, um, yeah, if I can only yeah, hope that many people will get involved uh, in the back community. We have a lot planned. Awesome. We're excited. Uh, we'll have to have you guys back on in the future. Um, but for now, that's all the time we have. So thank you guys so much for joining us and, and we'll see you later. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Guys. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Alrighty, we hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Uh, if you do enjoy that more educational, that deep computer science type content, uh, let us know by smashing the like button right now. Drop a comment. Uh, I see Gabriel is excited. He enjoyed that. Um, so now I think we should probably do a little bit of Moon or Bus. What do you guys think? Let's do it. Dirk wants to know about Matic. Can we bring up Matic? <clears throat> I totally forgot about that hype intro. Oh, Silly me. Oh, How did you forget about the intro, Ryan? Because we, we had one job anymore. It makes me sad. All right, let's start off today with Polygon. <clears throat> Polygon has been ripping this morning. Moon. We're up 
nearly 6%. Uh, let's see. Let's zoom in a little bit here to the seven-day. Uh, it's just a straight ramp going up. Uh, we're back at a buck 50. Uh, let's see here. Uh, so if you guys don't know, Polygon is a side chain. Uh, it, it has its own consensus algorithm, but it's it, it, it uh, you know deposits its information. It rolls up the information that it processes back onto the Ethereum mainnet. Uh, so while it does have its own security, it, it is rooted uh, in Ethereum, uh, and all the transactions will go on Ethereum as well. Um, it, it saw a lot of popularity in the first half of this year. Uh, after you know, ETH gas fees got really bad. A bunch of people started yield farming on Polygon instead. Um, Ryan, what do you think about the the side chain? You know, it's all right, and I think when ETH gas fees get higher, Polygon will do better. I think it's more of a short term play though, because ETH two will hopefully be launching sometime, eventually within the next year to ten years. Uh, but I do have a couple of gripes with Polygon. So first of all, it has its own token. And I think that just makes the entire user experience a little bit harder than something else like Arbitrum or Optimism. I think there are other layer two scaling solutions out there that might be better alternatives. However, they don't have their own token, so you can't invest in them. Uh, and then the other thing, like I said, with ETH2 coming out, that's going to greatly reduce transaction fees. And then the question is, will Polygon even matter once ETH2 comes out? It's kind of unclear at this point. Do you guys mm -hmm. think that Polygon will find its place once ETH2 comes out? Yeah, I, I, I think that um, Polygon has a lot more stuff to kind of give and keep on giving, even with ETH 2.0. It's one of the main um, side chains that's utilized by a whole lot of different projects. And a lot of projects have an Ethereum uh, version and one that is on Polygon which mm -hmm. I think is pretty cool. They're, they have, there's a, we can go into a bunch of differences and a bunch of like the technical turn side of things with um, what Polygon does and what they are. But um, I think that they have spearheaded the roll-ups. Uh, they spearheaded level two, layer two. And I think that they will still, they'll even become their own, you know, entity when ETH 2.0 comes out because it's kind of that right now technically is the solution is Polygon, but <clears throat> whenever they're side by side, they're going to be their own entities. So I think we'll, we're going to see Polygon stay. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of projects that are on Polygon that you wouldn't even realize that they're on Polygon and they're not even on Ethereum. Well, fully on Ethereum, you can still bridge and be use ERC 20 tokens you know, that stuff. But I think we're going to see them just grow and grow and grow. That's crazy. Well, 65,000 transactions. <laughs> let me let me give you another counterpoint, Brian. Mm -hmm. Polygon is right now offering incentives on these different platforms like Aave, where you can earn extra interest in Matic token, earn Matic for basically doing the same thing you would on Ethereum's layer one mainnet. Why do they need to provide these incentives if ETH gas fees are high right now? then shouldn't that be an incentive enough to use it? Basically, what I'm getting at here is once they stop offering incentives and ETH merges to ETH2, then gas fees will go down greatly. It's basically reducing both incentives to use Polygon. One is the gas fees, the transaction fees that you won't be saving on. And then two is the extra incentives, the extra APR you're getting from actually using the Polygon network. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I can't, I don't really know how to answer that because I, I, it would be a personal preference at that point because you're like, well, what, what's the point in, um, in staking and doing all that if, you know, they're going to be matched. 
but that's why I just that's why I mean I think that it's going to become its own entity. I mean, Matic is is still an ERC twenty token, yeah. So <clears throat> you know, it's not its own native token on its own native blockchain, but technically Polygon isn't its own native blockchain. It's a fork and a advancement. It's kind of cloudy. I mean, I mm-hmm. you got a point though. I, I, yeah, I don't and, have an argument. And I, like I, Daniel I, said, though, I mean, look at Curve a year ago. Look at Sushi after it forked from Uniswap. There's been rapid innovation over the past 12 months, and I don't think that's stopping. I mean, who knows what Polygon will look like in a year from now? It could have dozens of other use cases. Who really knows? So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and AO Finance. AO Finance says Cuban likes Polygon. Yeah, he also likes Dogecoin. So, I mean. Well, he does not shill Dogecoin. He made that very clear over the weekend. After <clears> shilling Dogecoin. He doesn't shill it. He just shills it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah. think that with, with Polygon's, um, their user base already, their, their fans, their community in general, they're the 16th biggest cryptocurrency by market cap. It's like it's almost $10 billion. They have enough money to do whatever the heck they want uh, and innovate however they, they choose. Uh, I saw they're, in, they're implementing their own layer two as well, so they won't be just a side chain. Um, so they'll be competitive in that space as well. Um, Ryan, I, I definitely like your point about uh, you know other side chains and layer twos becoming irrelevant once ETH scales itself and has its own side chains. Um, but I think that, that as demand for blockchains just continues to grow, um, the more space we have, the better. You know, so um, it, it might not be worth, might not see the volume that it that it did this year pre ETH two, uh, but it will probably stick around in some capacity. I think as as a um, an investment, trying to make some money, the Matic right now at one hundred and fifty is going to be a, a good deal in a few months from now, um, but yeah. maybe not in, in ten twenty years. We'll have to see. Uh, well, so I, I'm going to give this one a moon. I have it in my portfolio. One last uh, point to it is if you go on awesomepolygon.com, you can see just like DAP, Radar, or DAP.com, you can see all of the um, applications, the DAPs, DeFi, NFT, everything that is on Polygon. <clears throat> and the list is very, very long. Now, mm-hmm. some of these two are its own. Oh, here's... Here's one thing that I would like to clear up too. Everyone <laughs> thought that Polygon's the thing that got hacked. Polygon was not. Poly Network was got the six hundred million dollar hack. Just to clear that up, and we'll just let that be. But um, there's a lot of things that are on Meta or on Polygon by itself, not even on Ethereum. You know, so th- it'll grow. It'll go. It'll it'll become something, but you're right, it's speculative, and we'll have to just see. I, I think I personally think it's a moon. I personally hold it in my portfolio, and it's the, one of the longest um, uh, holds I've had so far. So mm-hmm. I'm really really bullish on it. I like it a lot. But what you said, Ryan, is you know, All right, Ryan, yeah, Ryan, we're out of time. Is it a moon or a bust <clears throat> from you? It's a bust for me. Oh shit. <laughs> Mm. That's controversial right there. It's, uh, it's you the got opportunity that, cost to invest go, in uh, go tell Ryan he's dumb on Twitter. Um, if not, <laughs> follow me first. <laughs> yeah. Follow me then. Come call back me dumb. Uh, on Wednesday. We have another great – actually, no, there's no show on Wednesday. We, no this was, Wednesday. we just found out this morning, no show on Wednesday, but we'll be back on Friday. Um, I can't remember who the guest is, but stay tuned to Benzinga's, crypt, or Benzinga's YouTube channel. We have pre-market prep at the close Cosmos. right now. Uh, So I will toss it over to Spencer and and the rest of the team. 
Uh, but thanks for tuning in to Moon or Bust, your home for all things altcoins and DeFi. We will see you on Friday. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com.